are listening to the Prince College Podcast, a ministry of Prince Avenue Baptist Church where our goal is to lead you to trust and follow Jesus. Guys, go ahead and grab a seat. It is so good to see you. I don't know what the last couple of weeks have been like for you in your life, but I feel like God has been teaching me a lot the past couple of weeks. He's been teaching me a lot through a lot of different avenues, but perhaps the most unexpected and strange of those avenues that he's been teaching me something is through my frustrations with my dog. All right, and yes, you heard that correctly. I said that God has been teaching me things through my frustrations with my dog. And I understand that that sounds weird, but give me just a second to explain. Those of you who know me well know that my wife and I, we have a little pup by the name of Palmer. And Palmer is adorable. She's awesome. We love her. We love having her around 99% of the time, right? But there is this like 1% of the time that Palmer is absolutely infuriating. Like she does things that just make no sense at all. One of the things that I've been noticing in my dog, this is so weird to be talking about, but this is one of the things I've been noticing in my dog is that she at the same time is like terrified of the most insignificant things and also way overconfident in her own abilities, right? Let me give you some examples. We take Palmer for walks a lot, and we have this little harness thing that she wears, and it's adorable, and it's cute. The only problem is she's terrified of it. And so, like, every time I go to get it, like, it's by the door in our house. Every time I even bend down next to the basket, like, she runs and hides in our house. And, like, I'll go to, like, put the harness thing on her, and she's, like, shivering and shaking, and she's so scared of the harness. Like, she hasn't put it together that whenever she puts the harness on, she goes somewhere fun. She hasn't made that connection at all, but she's just so terrified of this little harness. When she put it on, she's fine, but getting it on, she's terrified. But that same dog who was terrified of that harness, the other day we were walking, there's a park near our house, and I've been working on walking her off-leash, mostly because she hates the harness, and so I'm just like tired of dealing with it, right? And so we're like walking off-leash, and we're walking, and things are going well, everything's great, and we're on this trail, and it kind of goes through the woods, and I look up to my right, and I see this deer to my right, and before I can even acknowledge that, hey, that's a deer, Palmer, like, takes off after this deer that is, like, 10 times her size. Like, to, to put this in perspective, this would be like if one of the preschoolers in our church decided to charge after David Michael Bach, right? Like, it's like, what are you going to do if you catch, like, you're chasing after this deer. What are you going to do? She drastically overestimated her own ability, and I had to, like, track her down out of the woods, get her back to the trail, and it was just a nightmare, Right? And I was just thinking about this, that she at the same time is scared of these tiny little things, but also overestimates her own abilities. And I was just thinking about that last week. I was on another walk with Palmer. Things were going good this time, like she was fine. And I just remember having the thought, we're like walking, and she's being like actually obedient, staying really close beside me. And I had this thought pop into my mind. I was like, Palmer, like if you would just trust me and walk beside me, everything would be so much better. And I had that thought in my mind, and I'm not kidding, God, I feel like God like nudged me in that moment. And he was using that moment to be like, hey, Adam, I feel the same way about you, right? Because one of the things that I noticed last week on that walk with Palmer, this is real. This is like my, my real life experience last week. On my walk with Palmer last week, what I realized is I have that same tendency in my relationship with God. The same things that drive me crazy about my little dog are true of me whenever it comes to my relationship with God. Like, I have noticed in my life 
that I have the tendency to worry and stress and be afraid over things that in the long run are not really that big of a deal. But at the same time, I have the tendency to take way too much on myself and to trust my abilities far too much and end up in a situation that is far beyond my capability because I trusted too much in the power of myself. And in that moment, walking on that trail in the woods, I felt like God was saying the same thing to me. Hey, Adam, if you would just walk with me, if you would just trust me, all of this would go so much better. So, yeah. God's teaching me things through my frustrations with my dog right now. And I tell you that story because I don't think that that's just true of me. I think that's something that we can all relate to tonight. Like in my just conversations with many of you throughout the semester, I see this in so many of you. On the one hand, there is this consuming fear worry, stress, and anxiety over things in life that in the long run are not going to be that big of a deal. But at the same time, there's this amount of pressure and that you've put on yourself and you've entered into situations trusting yourself far too much and not relying on the Lord nearly enough. And the result in a lot of us, in a lot of conversations that I'm having, the result in a lot of us is this restlessness within I think many of us feel that, this restlessness within, and we're wrestling with that, and it's this feeling like we just can't stop, and we're in pursuit of peace that we just can't seem to grasp. And so my desire for tonight is really simple. I just want us to talk about that. Like, I just want us to take some time and talk about this restlessness within, because Jesus has something to say about the restlessness that you feel. This problem that we are experiencing, that many of you are experiencing, is not unique to you. And it is not unique to me. It's not unique to our generation. This is something that people have experienced for all time. Yes, it may have taken different forms, but it is something that we have all experienced. And God has something to say about this. God wants you to know that he loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to follow him. And he wants you to experience rest and peace in his presence. And so that is what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to do that through a passage of scripture that has just meant a lot to me over the past year, specifically. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and flip to Matthew chapter 11. This is going to be a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of you. In this moment, Jesus is coming off of a moment where he is considering the lack of faith in a generation of people. Like he is lamenting the fact that there are people who have seen him do miraculous things and yet still have not placed their faith in him. And at the same time, he's celebrating those who have, but he wants more people to see him for who he is. And in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says something remarkable. He says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is a beautiful promise 
from Jesus. Jesus looks out at a generation of people, people who at the same time are worried and anxious about such small insignificant things and also taking far too much pressure upon themselves. And he says, come to me, all who labor and all who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. This scripture just really got a hold of my heart about a year ago. As I was studying it about a year ago, I was in a season of restlessness and I really began to study this passage personally and I learned something about this text that radically changed my view of it. I grew up in church, so I've heard this text a lot. I imagine many of you have heard this text a lot, but in my study of this last year, I began to see something new. I was reading this text and I was reading commentaries on this text and one commentator that I really respect pointed out something significant and I want you to see it as well, all right? I'm gonna sum up his thoughts this way. It's gonna be behind me on the screen. He talks about the difference between labor and heavy laden and he talks about this idea that labor implies burdens that are taken upon ourselves while heavy laden implies burdens that are placed upon us, all right? So again, Labor, so whenever Jesus says all who labor and are heavy laden, labor implies burdens that are taken upon ourselves. And heavy laden implies burdens that are ta- they're placed upon us. So to break that down a little bit, what you need to understand is that labor has this idea of the things that we do, the choices that we make, the effort that we choose to exert that wear us down. And heavy laden has this idea of things that have been placed upon us from other sources, external circumstances or people, things that weigh us down in life. And Jesus speaks to people who are both laboring and are heavy laden, and he says, come to me and you will experience rest for your souls. And whenever I learned that, that dramatically changed the way that I view this text because I just couldn't help but think how perfect of a text that was for me because that's exactly what I was feeling. I was feeling weary and burdened because of my own labor and weary and burdened because of the burdens that were placed upon me and I needed this promise from Jesus. And I believe that many of you need to see this as well because as I look out at many of you, as I spend time with many of you, as I have conversations with many of you, the things going on in your life, I know, I know that you too are weary, that you're burdened. And so much of that is caused by these two sources, that you are burdened from your own labor and you are burdened because you are heavy laden. I just want us to break that down tonight. Like there are some of you in the room who are so burdened, so weary, so exhausted. And a lot of that comes down to your own labor because of the things that you have chosen to take upon yourself. And I want, I want you to hear me really clearly. I, I'm in no way trying to shame anyone in the room tonight. I just want us to be honest about this problem that we face. And I want to be honest about some of the things that I see in you and some of the things that I've seen in my own life. And I just want us to see this promise from Jesus. So many of us are weary and burdened because of our own labor. Like we're doing so many things. Like I'll talk to some of you and it's like I get exhausted just listening to the things that you commit to in a day. Like you're involved in like 18 different organizations. You're taking 15 hours of classes. You're trying to find an internship for this summer. You're working a job to try to make a little money and you're trying to find someone to date and that's just a Tuesday, right? 
I, I listen to you talk about the things that you choose to fill your time with. So many of you are jumping from activity to activity, hanging out with this friend group to this friend group, staying out late into the evening, like hanging out with people till 2 a.m. and then trying to make it to that 8 o'clock class the next morning, and it's not working out for you, right? Like you're just not taking care of yourself. Some of you are just not doing the basic things that you need to do, making sure that you drink enough water, make sure that you get enough sleep, make sure that you eat enough food and like the right kind of food, not cookout trays, right? Like you need to take care of yourself. You're giving no care to your physical needs. And if you're giving no care to your physical needs, you can be sure that you're probably also not giving care to your own soul. I've talked to a lot of leaders specifically. There are some of you in the room who are leaders in different organizations, leaders in this church, leaders in campus ministries, leaders in your sororities and fraternities, leaders on campus. There are so many of you in leadership in different places and you've been tasked with the care of individuals. But in your pursuit of caring about others, you've neglected to care for yourself. And you're seeking to serve and minister and lead out of a place of lack instead of out of a place of abundance. And it's running you into the ground. A lot of you are weary and burdened, but it's because of your own unsustainable pace of life. And that needs to change. And that's not even to consider the the burdens that have been placed upon you, the burdens that come from external circumstances in life, the heavy laden aspect of this, right? Like so many of you have experienced some very difficult things in life. Like you're walking through situations with your family right now that have nothing to do with you, that are not your fault at all, but have become a massive burden on your shoulders, Like perhaps you've faced some very real pain and unmet expectations and heartbreak and it's just crushing you at the moment. You feel the weight of expectations that have been placed upon you by your parents or by your professors or by those around you and you feel like you can't measure up. Perhaps you're walking through an unexpected circumstance and you don't know what's at the other side of it and it's crushing you in the moment. Those seniors in the room, perhaps graduation is looming in the background and finding a job has been a whole lot harder than you anticipated. Some of you may be facing financial struggles where you just don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, right? Burdens that have been placed upon you, burdens that you have not asked for you, burdens from the external circumstances in life. We feel weary, we feel tired, we feel spent. We both labor and we are heavy laden. When you begin to see the text that way, when you begin to do a little introspection in your own life, you realize that this text is for us for people like us. We all, to some degree or another, in our own way, we labor and we are heavy laden. And we need to learn to look to Jesus. Because in the midst of this, in the midst of all the burdens that we carry, Jesus looks at us and he says, come to me. Come to me. What I want you to understand is that in this text, Jesus is offering us the solution to the restlessness within. That's what this text is about. He's offering us the solution to the restlessness within. Like if we want to experience restlessness, excuse me, if we want to experience freedom from restlessness, we need to do two things according to this text. Again, this is going to be behind me on the screens. We need to do two things. Number one is we need to acknowledge your need. You got to acknowledge your need. And number two is you got to accept Jesus' invitation. That's what this text tells us. 
Like we have to acknowledge our need. Like we have to come to a place where we understand that our way of doing life just isn't working anymore. And our weariness, our burdens, they're not going away in our own effort and we need someone's help besides our own. Like that's a prerequisite of this invitation. Like the only prerequisite for this invitation is that you recognize the burden that you carry and you acknowledge your need and you get honest about your needs in your life. And when you do that, you must accept Jesus' invitation. Like you must actually come to him and lay your burdens at his feet and ask for his help and learn how to walk with him. That's what this language in this text, whenever it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, like that's what it's talking about. You may or may not know that Jesus is using an analogy there. And a yoke is an agricultural tool that would be, it was a wooden bar that was placed across two animals to be able to pull a plow and to plow a field. And it was a common practice in that day that if you were trying to train a younger animal how to plow a field, you would attach them to an older, more experienced, stronger animal. And that older, so you put this yoke across them, older, more experienced, stronger animal with a younger, weaker, less experienced animal. <clears throat> and what would happen was that that older, wiser, more experienced, stronger animal would begin to pull that plow. And in pulling that plow, they'd probably also pull along that younger, weaker animal. And in so doing, that older animal was teaching the younger animal how to walk, how to work, how to plow the field. That is the analogy that Jesus is using here. That's the picture that he wants you to see. That's the invitation that he's extended to you. He said, come to me and learn from me how you are to live. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts this. Eugene Peterson is the man who wrote the, the message paraphrase of the scriptures. I understand some of you are too spiritual to use the message tra uh, translation or paraphrase, but it's beautiful and it's really helpful. It's a paraphrase of the original language. And he says this, I'm going to be behind me on the screens. This is his paraphrase of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then listen to this. He says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I love that. That part there in the middle specifically, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Like, this is the invitation of Jesus. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. This is what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to walk with him, to work with him to watch how he calls you to live and to step into all that he has for you. This is at the heart of the gospel. At the heart of the gospel is that we must all come to a place where we acknowledge our need of a savior, where we acknowledge that we are all sinful, broken human beings and we can do nothing about our condition and we need the help of another. And then we accept Jesus' invitation to come to him, to confess our sins, to repent and to be forgiven of our sins and to walk into newness of life. That is at the heart of the gospel. But you must understand that that moment, that that acknowledging your need and accepting his invitation that doesn't just end in the moment of salvation. It begins in the moment of salvation. 
All right? Whenever you step into a relationship with Jesus, you are stepping into a life lived with Jesus, a life in which you will need to continually, every single day, acknowledge your need and accept his invitation. This is a daily practice. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And over time, as we begin to walk with him and work with him and watch him, we begin to see our restlessness subside and we find rest in the presence of our Savior. That's what I want for you. You must acknowledge your need and accept Jesus' invitation. But here's the deal. That's really, really easy to sit in this room and say from this stage. It's really, really easy to write that down in your journal. Acknowledge your need. Accept Jesus' invitation. That's really, really easy to say. It's really, really easy to talk about. And many of us know that that's where true rest is found. But we know that intellectually. But in practice, we're not experiencing it. Right? Like some of you know this. Some of you know that true rest is found only in Jesus. You know that if I gave that to you in a pop quiz, you would get it right. But let me ask you, are you actually experiencing that? Like, are you actually walking in that? Do you actually feel the rest that Jesus promises you? What I notice in my life is this disconnect between sometimes I know the right answers in my mind, but I'm not experiencing it in my life. Here's what I have noticed in my life. In times of restlessness, I've seen three tendencies in me. I'm going to put these on the screens as well. Three tendencies in me, and I imagine you've seen them in your life as well. Our tendency in times of restlessness is to dismiss to distract, and to distance. To dismiss, to distract, and to distance. And I'm, I'm just going to pick on me. I'm not going to pick on you. I'm going to pick on me. I'm just going to talk about like, how I see this in my life. Like Whenever I walk into seasons of restlessness and I'm feeling burdened, I tend to just try to dismiss the problem. Like, I don't, I don't want to acknowledge my need. I want to pretend like my need's not there. And I want to keep pushing forward and hoping that that need goes away. Like, you ever, you ever seen a kid, like, playing hide and seek, and they, like, cover their eyes, and they think that because they can't see you, you can't see them? You ever experienced this? And you're like, that's not how hiding works, kid. But, like, you, you've seen this before. We've all experienced this, right? I think somehow, sometimes that's how we treat our burdens in this life. That if we act like they're not there, and we just try to, like, shield our eyes from them, we can dismiss them, and maybe somehow they'll just disappear. So we dismiss our problems. And then in me, I, I tend to just try to distract myself, myself, right? Like I just try to distract myself and keep my mind off of whatever problem I'm facing. Like I just want to like numb out. Like I'll scroll through social media or I'll find myself watching like random videos on YouTube. Lately, I've gotten into like watching hot ones. Anyone watch hot ones, right? Like, and I'm like watching random celebrities that I care nothing about eat really hot hot wings. And I don't even know why I'm doing it, right? Like I'm just trying to distract myself. Or right, here's another one for me. This is real for me and perhaps some of you extroverts in the room can identify with this. Sometimes what I'll find myself doing is I'll use hanging out with other people as a distraction to keep me from thinking about the things that are really going on in my heart. That's real, and I know a lot of you do that, right? Like we just jump and we just hang out with people, and we're just like, oh, this is good, it's community, but really you're doing that so that you don't have to think about the hard things that you're walking through, right? We choose our distraction of choice to keep our mind off of the burdens that we carry. We dismiss them, we distract ourselves, and the result is distance. Distance in our relationship with God. Pastor Josh talked about this this past Sunday, right? How we have, if we're, Whenever we drift in life, we never drift towards intimacy 
with Jesus. We always drift away. That's what I see in my life. That's what I see in many of you whenever the burdens come, whenever the restlessness comes. There's a tendency in all of us to dismiss it, act like it's not there, distract ourselves, and the result is that we get further and further away from God. And the further away from God we get, the more restless we get. And if the invitation is to come to Jesus, we will never experience that if we're just consistently dismissing, distracting, and distancing ourselves. So we've got to reckon with this. Like, yeah, we may know it intellectually, that true rest comes from being in the presence of Jesus, but we're not experiencing it in practice. And so we have to reckon with the question, then what do we do? Like, how can we actually begin to experience this? How can we actually begin to accept Jesus' invitation and to come to him? I thought a lot about this over the past couple of weeks, and I just really wanted to give you some practical things. I mean, I don't know, I just, I've been having this conversation a lot. And I, I meet with students a lot as a part of my job. And almost every time that I sit down to meet with a student, it's about this, about the restlessness, the anxiety, the stress, the worry, the burdens that we carry. And I just, as much as possible, I want to help equip you to be able to fight back against these things. And so I just want to give you three really practical things that you can begin to do to fight back against the restlessness within, to fight back against the restlessness that you experience, to learn how to come to Jesus and accept his invitation. Three really practical things. My hope for this is that these would be things that you could do like starting tonight to actually begin to come to Jesus and accept his invitation. We're gonna go through these as quickly as we can. Number one is this. We have to fix our eyes. Fix your eyes. Like, if you want to be a person who experiences true rest in Jesus, we must be people who learn to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Colossians 3 verse 2 talks about this. It says, set your mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Like, we need to develop the discipline in our life of setting our gaze, setting our mind on the things of God and not on the cares of this world. We need to begin to integrate practices into our lives that will help us fix our eyes on Jesus. So what does that look like? It looks like several things. But a couple of things that you can do really practically is that you can actually begin to have a daily time that you spend with the Lord. I've talked about that a lot this semester, so I'm not going to belabor it here. We've had a whole message about this of silence and solitude on a Sunday morning. You can go listen to that. But you need time alone with the Lord. And that may sound simplistic to you, but can we just all be honest in the room? Like in times of restlessness, in times of burden, what's all, like almost always one of the first things to go is what? Time alone with the Lord. That's where we're going to find rest in the first place. Like you've got to find time to spend with Jesus. You need a consistent time in your schedule where you can remove all of the distractions. Like time alone with God is not a thing that you multitask. Like you need a time where you're removing all the distractions and you can just sit with the Lord. And you can open his word and you can pray and you can pour out your heart to him. So what does that look like? It looks like you actually have to schedule that into your day. And hear me, I understand that your schedules are all over the place. And so it doesn't need to necessarily be the exact same time in the exact same place every single day. Yes, that would be ideal, but that's just not how schedules work a lot of the time. 
So it doesn't need to be the exact same time in the exact same place, but you do need a time and you do need a place. And so here's what you do. Tonight, whenever you go home, I want you to think about your day tomorrow and think about the things that you have to do. And I want you to take time to schedule in some time to just get alone and be with God. You can do that every single day. And it doesn't have to be for like two or three hours. It can be for 30 minutes, just a pocket of time that you can sit and be alone with God and you can begin to let him speak to you. But here's the deal. The way that we experience rest in God is not just through having like a daily quiet time. Like I, that's not, I'm not at all trying to say that like if you would just open your Bible, then you would just not be anxious anymore. Like that's not how this works. We also need to learn how to set our mind on God throughout the day. So another thing that I would encourage you to do is to consider how you can redeem the gaps in your schedule. Redeem the gaps, right? Like, I think about this a lot. Like, uh, like whenever I say redeem the gaps, I mean like the, the 30 minutes that you spend on the bus every single day or the 15-minute walk between classes or the 45 minutes to three business days that you wait in line for Panda Express at Tate, right? Like, those moments where you don't, you don't have a plan for what you're going to do with your time. What's our tendency whenever we get into a gap of time? What do we do? What do we reach for almost instinctively? Our phones, right? Like you like, yeah, it was not a, like a rhetorical question. Um, yeah, like whenever we get into those moments, it's like we're on the bus or we're waiting for that class to start or we're waiting in line for food at Tate. Almost instinctively, we, like, we, just, we just start scrolling. We just start looking through our phone. We're just trying to distract ourselves. I just want to encourage you, think about ways that you can redeem that time. Maybe put away the phone and just begin to look at the people around you. Like, not, not in a weird, creepy way. Like, be cool about it. But, like, begin to look at the people around you and consider the fact that every single day you are surrounded by hundreds of people, thousands of people who are created in the image of God, created for a relationship with God, many of whom don't know him. Let those moments like actually develop a burden in your heart for those that are around you. Pray for those that you see in line waiting for Panda Express. Pray as you walk through campus and just pray and thank God that you have the opportunity to study at a university as credible as UGA or UNG. Just pray and thank God for the things that you see all around you. You can redeem these moments. You don't need to fill that time with another distraction. You can sit and begin to behold God. In those moments, instead of reaching for your phone, develop the habit instead of reaching for the Lord. You can begin to do that. Redeem those gaps. And in so doing, you will fix your eyes on Jesus. Another thing that you need to do, number two on the list, is practice radical honesty. Practice radical honesty. Like, and I mean this twofold, practicing radical honesty in our relationships with one another, but also in our relationships with God. Like, we need people in our lives that we can be honest with about the things going on deep in our souls. Here's what I see a lot in, in relationships with college students right now. There's a, there's a lot of like superficial relationships. A lot of people who have a desire to like project this image or protect this image of themselves that they want others to see. And because we have this desire to protect this image of what others see in us, we're often not willing to be honest, vulnerable, and real because we don't want others to think less of ourselves. But in pursuit 
of projecting an image to others, we actually bind ourselves and we're not experiencing freedom. Like you need people in your life that you can sit down with and tell explicitly, hey, these are the things that are bothering me. These are the things that I'm really burdened about. These are the things that I'm really anxious about. Will you help me? Will you pray for me? Will you encourage me? Like you need those relationships in your life. We talked about this a lot. We, community matters in the life of a Christian. You need those relationships, but you don't just need radical honesty in your relationships with one another. You actually need to learn how to be honest with God. I was convicted about this several years ago, about how like my prayers were like these like nice, neat little prayers, and they didn't always reflect the true nature of my heart. Perhaps some of you have experienced that in your own life. Like you go to talk to God, and you just act like everything's fine. And I just, I started to like read through the Psalms. And I was like, that's not at all the way that like David prays and, and writes these Psalms. And I started to see how like David and some of the other psalmists were really honest with the Lord, like telling the Lord explicitly the things that were bothering them and coming back to a moment of trusting the Lord no matter what. And so I began to pray that way. And it's been so freeing for me. Like some of you just need to hear like your, your time alone with God doesn't need to be this nice, neat little thing that's like worthy of an Instagram picture. Like sometimes your time with God needs to be scrappy. Sometimes your time with God needs to be disorganized as you just pour out your heart to the Lord. Here recently in my life as I've been on my walks with Palmer or like sitting on my back porch, I've just begun to practice this. Like just really pouring out my heart to the Lord, expressing all of my frustrations, expecting all of my burdens, expressing all of my pain and just being really real with God and asking for his help. You need to do that. Like practice radical honesty in your relationships with one another and in your relationship with God. And thirdly, and this one is one I really want you guys to get, is consider your pace. Consider your pace. We've been talking about this a lot around here. And I hope at this point it's beginning to sink in. Like some of you are living your life at far too high of a speed. And you just need to learn to slow down long enough to just be with God. Like you need to learn the things that are worth saying yes to and the things that you should say no to so that you can actually experience the things that God has called you to experience. Several years ago, I heard um, Louis Giglio, who's a pastor of Passion City in Atlanta, he said this quote that's just really stuck with me. He said, every time you say yes, to something, there is less of you for something else. So make sure that your yes is worth the less. I'll say that one more time. Every time you say yes to something, there is less of you for something else. So make sure that your yes is worth the less. Like you can't say yes to everything. And everything that you say yes to means that there's going to be less of you for something else. So if you're going to commit to something, make sure it's worth there being less of you for something else. You cannot just go through life and say yes to every single thing. You need to learn to say no to things, even if it's just for the reason that you need to stop and you need to rest and you need to spend time alone with God. So as lovingly as I possibly can say this, like if it's the fifth time that your friend group is hanging out this week and you know that they're gonna be out really late and you have an early day, a full day the next day, sometimes the best thing that you can do is say no to the friend group and just go home and rest. Like you don't need a reason. It's okay to say no to your friends. They'll be there next time. 
Like if, if this is, if you've been invited to like the, the eighth thing, the eighth campus ministry thing that's going on that week, like it's okay to say no to that big event just for the purpose of sitting and being alone with God yourself. It's okay to say no for the greater good, for the greater moment so that you can actually experience more of God. So I just want to ask you, like what is it in your life that you can begin to say no to so that you can experience more of God's presence, so that you can actually accept Jesus' invitation, so that there can actually be more of you to serve and to love and to lead and to be a part of what God is doing all around you so that you can actually participate in God's work here on the earth. We must learn how to do this. The band's gonna go ahead and come back up, but this is something that I've just been thinking about a lot for you. Like I'm, I'm praying this for you. This is, I just, I keep thinking about that picture of my dog and I realize that that's a silly example, but I'm so thankful that God used that picture in my life to open the eyes to the deficiency in me. And I pray that he will do the same for you. Like I want you to understand, you have a God in heaven who wants you to walk with him, to know him, to experience rest in his presence. Life with Jesus it's not just about saying a prayer, getting baptized, and trying your best to be a good little boy or a good little girl until you get into heaven. Like That's not what life with Jesus is about. Life with Jesus is about learning to come to God and to trust him with all of life. You have a God who is gentle and kind and who loves you. But the reality is the knowledge of that does you no good unless you actually begin to trust him. And you actually begin to come to him. You need to acknowledge your need and to accept his invitation. And if you do, that restlessness within can become rest in him. And that's what I want for you, to experience rest in the presence of the one who has created you for relationship with himself. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray together?